0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. My dear brethren, our Lord, he speaks of the grain that falls among the thorns, among the briars. And he's referring to baptized souls who hear God's word, but going their way are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and yield no fruit. Now at first glance, we think of those souls that we talked about last week, those souls who suffer from spiritual sadness, which we call asedia, and who are too attached to the comforts and pleasures of life to feel any joy in the execution of their spiritual duties. But there is a deeper interpretation that we can apply to our Lord's words. Our Lord knows the frailty of our human nature, and so he wants to alert us to a specific danger for souls seeking perfection. And that should be all baptized souls. So perfection is the alignment of our will with God's will. It's nothing more, nothing less. And that is indeed our quest and goal. But the way of attaining perfection, of becoming perfect... It's not necessarily what we think. Unfortunately, we are schooled too often in the art of perfection by smoothly written hagiographies of saints and saintly souls, which present, 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 always present a story that's neat and tidy, a story of holiness um, that is neat and tidy. Events and experiences They all seem to conspire to offer the perfect road to holiness with none of those twists and turns that cloud our own path in life and uh, leave us uh, disorientated and and anxious. So saints' lives, they they seem much more straightforward than, than, than our own lives. Well, we we only need to look to St. Paul to see how hagiographies stray from true history. Hagiographies are not the history of a a saint's life. They're stories, often made up stories, about a saint's life. When we look at St. Paul, and in particular today's epistle, we see that the road to perfection is a messy one it's strewn with boulders ruts and potholes and God seems to delight in erecting barriers and obstacles and we are left wondering if we are on the right path because it's such a difficult path now the desire for perfection can develop into a defect which we call perfectionism So a state in which souls decide for themselves what and how their journey should be. So the perfectionist maps out his own course, but there's a twist. Because it's good to map out a proper course in order to ensure that we arrive at destination. But So the perfectionist thinks he's doing good, he's doing well. But there's a twist that we often forget about. We suffer from the effects of original sin. And original sin makes us far from perfect. And we all, and the perfectionist included, secretly, subconsciously, tries to balance spiritual progress with convenience, comfort, and the satisfaction of concrete and tangible headway. So people are, so many people are sad because they feel they are not progressing in their journey to God. And the confessor will always tell them, why do you seek to feel your progress? Do you want to enjoy your progress? Is this about you or is it about God? The perfectionist hopes to be able to enjoy their journey to God. In the sure knowledge that they are well on their way, that they're walking in the right direction, they're doing everything right. Because God cannot then but bless their journey and the choices they've made. After all, the goal is, is good and, and, and right. And for a time, it seems so. But then sooner or later, God throws a spanner in the works. And God is expert at throwing spanners. St. Paul had to deal with many spanners in the works that he was tasked to accomplish. So he had received a clear mandate to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He accepted it wholeheartedly, along with all the sacrifices it entailed for him, an upcoming Pharisee. And yet, for close to 10 years, he had to wait to begin that mission. For 10 years, the apostles, when when Barnabas introduced him to the apostles, the uh, the apostles said, nice to meet you. Now return home to Tarsus. And Paul did return home to Tarsus and stayed there for 10 years, waiting for his commission, which Barnabas finally brought to him. Barnabas came to fetch him. Come and evangelize, help me in my work at Antioch. And that's the beginning of St. Paul's mission. Ten years after, he was cast off his horse on the road to Damascus. And thus we see, when Barnabas comes to fetch St. Paul, he begins his great mission. And he undertakes it with penetrating vision. Just read his epistles. He undertakes with burning zeal, And he undertakes with with determination, with firmness of purpose. And this epistle that we've just read today catalogues how God somewhat altered St. Paul's initial plans. He was not able to convert his Jewish brethren. Those he did convert became his worst enemies and sought to thwart his work with the Gentiles. Events Through the course of his 40-year missionary career, events spiraled out of control often. Endless dissensions sprang up within the Christian communities he founded. He was shipwrecked, imprisoned, tortured, hunted, persecuted. And then we have this mysterious sting, this angel of Satan, about which he begs God to be delivered. Why, why on earth is God making things so difficult for his chosen apostle? You have the 12 on one side and you have Paul on the other and Paul is worth the 12 in the impact he's had on the evangelization of the world. St. Paul's mission was a messy mission which left the seemingly great and mighty Paul exhausted and at times bitterly disappointed and depressed. So, my dear brethren, it seems that we can indeed relate to St. Paul after all. His road to salvation was just as contrary to expectations and complicated and tough, just like ours. Only his was much, much worse. But the real difference between St. Paul and ourselves, lies in how St. Paul handled the challenges, the difficulties of his mission, and how he viewed those challenges. St. Paul had enough spiritual maturity and enough generosity of heart to view the challenges he had to overcome as God's handiwork as God's way of branding his St. Paul's work, the work that he was doing, the missionary work he was uh, doing, God wished to brand that work with the stamp of divine grace and divine approval and when you stamp something it's with a burning iron you scorch your mark into it and that's how God blesses our initiatives. He scorches the mark of his grace, the mark of his approval. All those difficulties, all those challenges, St. Paul understood they were blessings in disguise rather than tokens of divine disapproval. And so St. Paul, he understood, but only after much suffering, the power and triumph do not come from skillful organization or talent or success. They come, in things divine, from frailty, failure, infirmity. Because these force us to our knees and make clear to us our nothingness and ensure normally that God receives all the credit. So that is why God will never allow a soul he cherishes to have an easy journey. Because there's there's too high a risk that the soul will begin to take credit for any progress made. And as soon as, as the soul starts looking at itself, thinks that it can stand on its own two feet, that's when it can be thrown off course. The work of grace and perfection is His work, not ours. So we just have to go along with it. There's no other solution. So, my dear brethren, let's be careful not to allow the seed sowed in our souls at baptism to become choked with the cares and anxieties that arise when things don't go according to plan. Whose plan? God's plan or our plan God always follows his plan and unfortunately we all always try to follow ours someone's got to give way and that's what God in his providence is trying to do when we meet with adverse circumstances or trial or pain he's forcing us to give way because his way is the right way and when we in effect give way and allow him to carry us only then will we conquer the thorns and the briars that have grown up around us and are choking us don't let them choke us we must choke them we must embrace them in the sense that we must be accepting of the difficulties that providence allows on our path. And and, and then the thorns and the briars, they will flower into fruits of holiness because thorns and briars force the seed to push for deeper roots in order to survive and carry on regardless of what comes. There are too many stunted souls. And that's what the the, the gospel refers to. The seed that has that never reaches maturity. God wants us to reach maturity, so He wants us to become vigorous He wants the word to become a vigorous plant in the soul. And that's why the going is tough. Remember true holiness it's aligning our will with God's will that's perfection it's not sentiment it's not ease in prayer it's not goodwill to neighbor all that comes later it's first of all aligning our will with god's will it's giving way to god's providence so may our lady help us to understand all these things in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen